Hi, y'all. Welcome to The Hue. We're here to illuminate the true stories of the exciting folks we encounter along the way. I'm your host, Jessica, and I'm here with our studio director, Emily McNeil. Hey, guys. Thanks for doing this with me, Em. Of course. You keep us all organized and on track. I do what I can. Yeah, the ultimate taskmaster. <laughs> so we had such a fun interview with a longtime friend of, of both of ours, Russell Brightwell. I love Russell. You know, just got to say that to start. Um, yeah, he's a very interesting person. He's so cute. And it was such a fun conversation. Russell is, quote unquote, the collector for hire. We had such a fun conversation with Russell, who you and I have experience with from Dongia. Mm-hmm. When he first started his business, he came to Dongia and did some gorgeous um, curating for us on the shelves and showcasing his beautiful found objects. And always had the most amazing shoes on. That's like my main memory. Yeah. His shoes. I know. He's impeccable. Like his style is absolute perfection. Yeah. And I love speaking with him. It makes me feel smart. Mm-hmm. You're okay. definitely going to want to get out your notepad and pencils for this episode. Because there are some great resources that Russell highlighted, some of which we had never heard of. Oh, yeah. I'm getting out the Google after all this. Yeah, absolutely. The High Snobby mm-hmm. and some of the other blogs and even his Instagram resources. Oh, yeah. Yeah, lots of them. So I feel like if you are a designer or really anyone who's interested in design and you're looking to increase your vocabulary in the design world, this is the podcast for you. Mm -hmm. Thanks for checking it out. Hi, Russell. Hello, Jessica. (laughs) It's good to see you. I'm trying to think how long it's been since we've actually seen each other. Maybe a year. Uh Uh-huh, probably. So we first met through Alice Cottrell. That is correct. And you were, you hadn't quite yet moved to Dallas. You were she had said, my friend Russell is moving to Dallas from Houston. Right. It was a little little bit before that. Um, so it's set three years ago. What were you doing in Houston? Um, I had an advertising agency with a business partner, yeah. which was my um, original chosen profession, Yeah, was advertising. You did advertising most of your career. Yeah. I, um, I went to Parsons in New York for um, graphic design, they called it communications design, and um, stayed in New York um, 16 years in New York and two years in London working in advertising and moved back to Houston at the end of 2001. So like a degree with pedigree. A degree with pedigree. I started in chemical engineering at Rice. Okay. That's what a that's that's what a boy from the western suburbs of Houston, Texas, did in 1981. <laughs> it's like you could be in the oil business or a doctor or a lawyer. And that's what it was. Uh-huh. And you said, "This is for the birds. I'm going to move to New York and study art, communication, art. What they call communications it? design. That's and wow. And now it's graphic the, design. The painting studio wasn't for me, so I, I needed something a little bit more applied. I could see. Yeah, I see that. Mm-hmm. And so, what was Parsons like? Um, it was kind of like, um, an older version of fame for artists. It was kind of like all the, (laughs) all the funky kids, um, Uh go to art school, but it was, it was good. I I mean, I loved it. It was a great experience. I mean, New York was as much of the experience as as school was. Of course. Or maybe more. Yeah. My, one of my favorite classes that I took was, um, early on was a teacher that basically just taught us about sort of the resources in New York, museums and galleries and things like that. And, uh, yeah, that's certainly a large part of the education. Oh, gosh. Favorite New York museum at the time? At the time, it was the Whitney. The Whitney is just such a remarkable story. Mm -hmm. When they were up on Madison. Uh Uh-huh. And how much art is not not at the Whitney, right? Isn't there just like a, a vast amount of art that's archived and then brought out? Isn't there some story about that? I don't know. I think it's all museums, really. Yeah. Some huge percentage of their collections are in storage because, you know. Yeah, they can't have it all out. Yeah. 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 So Parsons. And did you have a favorite professor that you still like kind of think about? Oliver Johnston taught um, package design. And oh. I actually eventually worked for Oliver. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And package design now is even probably a part of your life, but that's packaging is part of the product now. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think certainly in terms of my product and the way I put it together after I sell it and stuff um, is a package. It's a presentation. 
I remember when, so, so for everyone listening, Russell, we did an event together at Dongia and it was when you were, I mean, your styling business had always been a part of your life. I feel like, or had you, were you really kind of branding it as, as its own entity at that time? Versus advertising. Uh-huh. No, I sort of, we closed the agency at the, in 2017 okay. after a pretty good 13 year, 14 year run. And, um, I started looking for a job in marketing and advertising at the same time I started sort of developing this other concept for a different career. And um, I went to meet with um, friends who had a PR agency in Houston to talk to them um, primarily about doing like copywriting and marketing for them. And um, I got to their office and instead um, I presented them with my concept for the sort of um, interior stylist um, gallery shop sort of idea and they really liked it. So um, that kind of encouraged me to, to keep going in that direction. And they actually, I was working in Houston towards um, uh, collaborating with a real estate developer and I was basically going to sort of partially stage okay. a house Okay, that would be like a, a boutique, but sure. with everything in situ. Absolutely. And then um, Harvey hit mm-hmm. and um, I was lucky, grateful, nothing, nothing um, sort of dramatic happened for me or my family or friends, but it was not really decided it wasn't a great time to, you know, start a business selling $3,000 candlesticks, <laughs> you know, when people were trying to rebuild their homes. Exactly. I mean, there was just little or no way I was going to get any good PR and um, yeah. it would have been sort of distasteful. So um, Alice, who's been in Dallas for, you know, 30 years, but um, we grew up together. Did you go to Parsons together? No, we went to grade school together. And, okay. You know, high school. and But spent time together in New York as well. She lived in New York. Yeah. After she graduated from TCU and she moved up to New York, we okay. actually lived together for a crazy year. So um, she uh, encouraged me to to move up to Dallas and sort of even um, previewed lofts to for me to live in. And, of course she did. Right. So, get, here's your options, Russell. Right, exactly. I approve yeah, of she, these. She, or, she, or, she <laughs> I think it could be said that she orchestrated the move. She did. Mm-hmm. She had an agenda. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so what would it, so the business is called. It's just called, it's just my name. It's Russell Brightwell. Russell Brightwell. It's a hard enough name. I, I, I want to make it, you know, once you figure out Russell Brightwell, you don't have to <laughs> figure out anything else. Except there is this whole, you had kind of have another name. Collector for Hire. Uh-huh. Thanks to Rebecca Sherman. Rebecca Sherman, who we love. Paper City. Um, Did she come up with that? Oh, yeah. When she wrote that article for Paper City. Was it on I, the front page? I feel like I remember it being like a front page story. No. That w- it was a big story, though. It was. It was, good. it was a good eight or ten pages. Yes. No, she was very generous. They were very generous. Because with- it's a great story. Mm-hmm. She's a great writer. She is a great writer. I felt mm-hmm. like when she wrote about Folio, I remember calling her going, I think I understand my business better now. Right? Did you feel like that? Well, certainly with the collector for hire. And the, I think there were two lines. It was connoisseur for hire and collector for hire. And we used kind of both of those and and collector for hire was sort of what I've landed on kind of hashtag wise. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think people know you for that now. Mm. Have you always been a collector? I have. What's the first thing you, that you, that you acquired that you knew? That I, that I sort of remember specifically yes. um, when I was uh, at Parsons, the Swid Powell, which was the sort of silver, American Alessi, sort uh-huh. of American version of Alessi, but a little bit higher end. Tell people what Alessi is. I know. I mean. Alessi is an Italian, you know, homeware company that that traditionally has hired architects and designers to create sort of these design objects for the home. Yeah. And um, uh, Swid Powell was um, Nan Swid and Addie Powell in the 80s and 90s, probably into the early 
2000s. Um, and they commissioned architects and designers to uh, create uh, tableware, everything, you know, a lot of silver plate, um, uh, but also dishware and other objects. And so they're, um, where they had their sample cell was across the street from school. There you go. And um, uh, I would cobble together my pennies and buy... <laughs> seconds or a single one or right. you know and i remember getting richard meyer a, a richard meyer candlestick which i held on to for a really long time i think i eventually sold it oh yeah has there ever been a piece that you've sold that you regretted selling oh yeah like <laughs> every one every other one exactly damn it how did i get rid of that you know, yeah. yeah yeah oh i had a when i moved to dallas i had one of those um supreme louis vuitton pillows Mm -hmm. that was part of that just crazy um collection that they did Mm -hmm. um and they they just did very few of them and um i sold it for thousands but i think it's worth thousands more now yeah kind of you're kind of like i should have held on to that one a little bit longer exactly but you got to pay the rent and then people will say hey russell we're glad you came over Mm. you know But the piece is mine now. No. Right, exactly. But I bet sometimes, I don't know, maybe I'm making an assumption here, but um, you get to know your clients. Mm. And um, do you ever feel like, though, oh, my gosh, this is exactly where this piece needs to be? I think so. I mean, all, it, it's kind of organic. So, you know, once I see a, a client's place and get an idea of sort of what they're into or how much, you know, sort of the market will bear, um, it, it's it's pretty intuitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have, I have sort of a, you know, it's about scale and color shine or matte, you know, that kind of thing, depending on where it's going. So those, those sorts of attributes kind of guide, you know, what goes where. How is styling? Sim- I feel like I've seen this bef- a couple of times. I know of a couple of people who are graphic designers who've morphed into styling. There's something compatible about the two sure i mean everything's sort of i mean for me everything's sort of like about a grid okay yeah i mean yeah. you know when you're when you're uh styling bookshelves or um a coffee table you know i divide it up into sections mm-hmm. and create some sort of organizing principle for stacks of books or or objects and you know it, it helps me figure out sort of the balance of of sort of weight you know visual weight but color as well um and um i just completely blanked on what i was going to say next. no it's perfect i mean i think we were talking about graphic design and the compatibility with styling and how you work from a grid i think that's yeah it's your system oh that the other thing i was going to say is that then then you subvert the system okay because that's what makes it interesting. Makes it so beautiful. it's not being slavish to it. You know, if you have, have bookcases that are, you know, two columns top to bottom, you know, making one a single column just to make it different. Just so, to, but as that's an art to know when you can get away with that. And that's like where kind of the, the talent and the you come in. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Our listeners are mostly interior designers. So, mm-hmm. and um, they come from all probably walks. We have some hospitality designers who listen in and some residential mm-hmm. designers. So you're for hire. Right. <laughs> Tell them about how you're, how does this work? How do they get started with you? Well, let me, let me just back up because okay. I hadn't told you this or we hadn't talked about this. You know this. Um, so um, really the impetus for the business was um, uh, a New York times magazine article that um the headline of it was, uh, this Brooklyn apartment is New York's hottest design shop. And so this, I remember I- you telling me about that. Yeah. Right. So the idea of having sort of like this, um, gallery living space, yes. um, was, you know, really compelling to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had, you know, an, an inventory air quotes inventory <laughs> already a place to start, mm-hmm. um, because by then I'd collected a ton of stuff and um, that was just mine. And um, so that's where it started. That inspired you, that article. That did. And, um, you know, the idea that it didn't necessarily have to be sort of full on, you know, storefront retail sort of 
deal that it'd be. So um, I have a by appointment loft showroom that yeah. I live in yeah. that's styled. Um, Beautifully. Thank you. It's the coolest space. And um, ever changing, um, ever dusting. Um, there's so much stuff in there. Um, it doesn't feel like that though. When you're in it, it does feel just so, I don't know. It feels like exactly how it's supposed to be. It doesn't feel like a store. It does feel like, you know, yeah. your home. Yeah, it does. I am except a home with a bunch of extra tables with uh-huh. stuff piled on it. Uh-huh. So anyway, so, um, but it's expanded into, um, interior styling, because it's not, you know, uh, because it's out of my home showroom deal. A lot of times um, people never come to the loft. I yeah. live over across from Fair Park, yeah. which is sort of no man's land to, to, you know, great chunks of people. But <laughs> it's a great area of loft buildings where architects mm-hmm. and designers and um, photographers modeling agencies, things like that. Great spaces that you can't get anywhere else. Um, so cool. So um, a lot of times I am come to them. So I'll consult on a job. A, an interior designer will ask me to um, maybe based on seeing my website and sort of getting an idea of kind of the range of, of products, um, which my website is a good representation of sort of the range of my inventory. It's not always all on there. Yeah. That's probably hard to maintain. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Right now, I'm, I'm pretty, it's a very good representation. I'd, I'd say there's a good 80% of the things that I have in there, not books, but of everything else. And um, so uh, a designer will contact me and I'll, I'll come to their project and we'll sort of just talk about sort of the areas that they want to accessorize. Um, and um, I will... You know, I just have thoughts and ideas about what can go where. Um, you know, I, I may or may not have sort of the client's input on That's that. That's what I was wondering, yeah. Um, it depends. I mean, sometimes it's it's the clients who I'm consulting with yeah. and, and not really so much the interior designer. Yeah. Um, it feels more intimate in some ways than a sofa to me, like the pieces that you've collected in your home and the art. I, I think so because, I mean, there's certainly, um, you know, there's nothing – I mean, really good furniture, I think, is, you know, sort of lasting and in some ways sort of, um, I don't want to use the word generic, um, neutral. It's neutral. Neutral. Mm-hmm. But accessories are kind of, uh, you know. More opinionated. Right. You know, do you are you a sterling silver plate um, Robert A.M. Stern candlestick or are you 1970s? Italian Heller plastic vase, mm-hmm. you know, in a bright color. So I love um, those Heller pieces, by the way. Yeah. And they, and of course, obviously you can mix them, which is what ultimately I like to do is, you know, put things together from different time periods and different sorts of aesthetics and a little sort of, you know, neoclassicism with a little Memphis, you know, I am a little bit stuck on the eighties and nineties. I realized, I think it's by virtue of my age. <laughs> It's what you're drawn to. And maybe, maybe it's like, yeah. yeah it's know. like my parent, my parents in happy days, you know, it's just, <laughs> just kind of the, the way it goes. The natural. Just nostalgia for uh-huh. your younger days. What's um, your favorite artist of the eighties? Do you have one? You know, I, you know, he's very commercial and, and, uh, uh, I don't know. I shouldn't qualify it. Keith Haring. Mm-hmm. I used to see him out and about. Really? Yeah, yeah, doing blow in the oh, bathroom yeah, yeah. <laughs> at, the, at the world. And, yeah. You know, I used to do these great parties at year every year, save the world parties at the Palladium. And the mm-hmm. pop shop was amazing. And, and you know, you could go to the ga- Shafrazi Gallery and you could talk to him. And just a, it was a great time in New York. So it kind of reminds me of that. And that's cool what you just said, and this thought just came to me. It's like you've experienced those pieces in their natural habitat. Mm. That's kind of interesting, right? It's like yeah. in that original natural habitat, as the artist intended them to be, you've experienced them. And maybe that's... Well, in, in, in the subway, which was where he was before, mm-hmm. so the, the drawings on the black sort of tar paper, before they put the advertisements back up, mm-hmm. just the black paper, 
which is kind of, I guess, where he started. So. Yeah, it's just so cool. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything, Keith Herring? I have a poster from, I think it was his first show at Shafrazi that he signed. That's it. And like the pieces on buildings, aren't they really hard to get? There's a council. Aren't they hard to get qualified or authenticated? No idea. There, yeah. I mean, there's a Keith Herring Foundation, which I assume yeah. like any other artist foundation would would uh, um, authenticate. Mm-hmm. Or license. Yeah. I have a friend who lives in a building in New York and tried to get something authenticated and it was pretty impossible, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? All comes down to nickels and dimes, right? I guess. Yeah. So collector for hire. So this do ever or can ever, you don't just work with interior designers. Like you probably have clients that are end users that would call you and say, Hey, Russell, I've worked with you. I need you to. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that'd be a big part of your business. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of in it. I People buy from my um, inventory, but I also source things for people. Uh-huh. Um, new things or vintage things that I just don't have in my inventory. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll pull pull things and from both and create a document with a description and pictures of each and allow, you know, clients to take a look and sort of, um, you know, shop from the document and, and then I can bring them to their house. And of course, you know, I, I deliver. And yeah. So that's a, that's a key part of this is the service. I right. mean, you're ultimately, that is what it is. I mean, yes, you are a collector and yes, you have a vast knowledge of, mm-hmm. you know, this art and these items, but you're, you're offering a service to people. Yeah. I mean, I have clients in Highland Park who I've, I've never met them. I've just dropped things off with their house managers. And wow. I have clients who actually who live up the block who are now their friends. And, you know, we walk around Fair Park in the morning. So it just, you know, I mean, that, I think that's the way it is with everybody. But, it is. You know, but then I have a, a client right now who a lot of the clients, even if they're I work directly with them, I've gotten them through interior designers and uh-huh. um uh, uh, my, I have a current client who I do a lot of different work for, including styling and purchasing things for their home. But I also do, um, gift buying for them. Cool. Collector for hire. Yeah. You know, it's just basically sort of in the same way that I, I, I would do a document with sort of vintage inventory. I do the same thing with, with new things. So if, um, that's a really cool service, especially right now. We're, we're entering into the holidays when people cannot go shopping. Yeah. That's an amazing service. Yeah. They can hire you to do their shopping for them. Yeah. And the cool part is, is you will even wrap it because your packaging, I remember you gave me this most amazing, the white paper bag vase mm-hmm. and the way you packaged it was so cool. It was, it was a, a box from a department store, but then you like, what did you do? You put sort of, a, I mean, the whole original concept, you know, of the, of the business too was sort of um, without being too sort of heavy handed was sustainability was the idea that these are there's there's some pretty amazing objects out there that are you know available for reuse yeah um, uh, and um, are oftentimes sort of a more interesting or better choice than sort of comparable new items. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for the packaging, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, lifelong follower of graphic design and. And packaging, your favorite and course packaging. at Parsons. And so I really sort of, I'm, I'm sort of tired <laughs> and bored with packaging and, and typography and stuff. And you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. And so um, I really just took images that I've taken photographs that I've taken and created, uh, stickers with really simple type, um, and use those on existing packaging. Yeah. So they're cool. I was like, I want to open this. This feels like a piece of something. Mm -hmm. It was really cool. And there's nothing like that. Like getting a package from someone that they have personally packaged for you and selected for you and Oh, that was it was really cool. Presentation. The presentation is everything. Yeah. So if someone's listening and 
we could look, I think there's two categories. So there's someone listening and maybe they don't have a gazillion dollars to spend on beginning their collection of whatever it is they may want to collect or not mm-hmm. collect. Um, I know I say not collect, that didn't sound right. What I meant was like, they may not want to get multiples of something. They may just want to be a collector of amazing items, I guess. Right. So um, how do they get started? I mean, I think it, it, you know, the way I got started was just, you know, I think it's just um, kismet, you know, something interests you, yeah. you know, a type of pottery, um, again, like the the vintage, you know, architect. I think architect or artist designed objects are always, you know, a collectible okay. um, fashion and design collaborations. Yes. I mean, you know, now it's, you know, the, we live in sort of a drop culture, you know, sort of. The, yes, you're the, saying the, that. That came out of sort of the skate world with companies like Supreme where um, items aren't necessarily limited edition in a traditional sense, but they're available for a short period of time and there's like a limited run. Yeah. And so that creates, you know, and everything from, from tennis shoes to sort of artists objects creates this sort of rarity or demand. Mm -hmm. And it's somewhere, you know, it's somewhere a little below Mm -hmm. additions and above mass produced. Okay. I mean, which is a really great place if you're interested in art to like live. There are lots of really great artist products out there. Um, I always have a few of those cause Medcom toy figures around. And you put them in beautiful acrylic boxes, right? right? To sort of elevate them to sort of what they should be. I mean, those are the kinds of things. I mean, mean, collectors probably keep those in the original platform plastic packaging in the box and I'm sure all because and that makes them but I I want to be able to see it exactly I mean and it's if you put them putting them on display like that is the way that the larger 30 foot versions are displayed absolutely it makes them so artful right right agreed and they're they're fun they are really fun so you mentioned we were talking about this a little bit but like there's tiers right of collecting yeah I mean I you know not everything has to be um, I mean, well, that's kind of where I live. I mean, there's a level of collecting, um, like we were talking about this too the other day, Casa Perfect. I mean, uh-huh. these are, you know, these are, they make stools and additions of five and they cost, you know, $20,000 or, you know, vases and an addition of 10 that are, you know, handmade and by, you know, nuns and wherever. And they're just really, ex- you know, it's art. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's it's art furniture and art art objects, and um, mine are just somewhere between that and mass produced. Mm-hmm. Even though, like we said, a lot some of the things that I collect are mass produced. Yeah, we were because we were talking about the IKEA um, the the vase, wasn't it? A, no, that one's not a vase, mm-hmm. right? IKEA was the the Hella Jungarius. Uh-huh. And I hope I'm not slaughtering her name. I probably should have looked it up before I'm terrible with pronunciation. That's but, a tough one. But um, uh, she's this kind of esoteric designer. Um, she did a series of vases for Ikea in like, I don't know, maybe 2005. Could Do you have still been, have one? in the? I have all four of them. But you've gone through them. I feel like you've sold I have, them. Yeah. I, I saw, yeah, yeah. You I cycle them. through those. I get new inventory when I can find them. Each one represents a region of the world. Mm. And there, uh, it was a sort of an, an, an experiment or an exercise in the forms are the same, but the, the sort of manner in which they were made is different. So okay. there's like a terracotta one. There's like a pottery one. I mean, there's sort of the finishes are all a little bit different. They reflect, you know, sort of the area of the world. That, that makes sense, right? To, right? Clay is from here and, and for her, it was it was about how do you do this for a company like IKEA mm-hmm. when she's used to working for sort of the top tier, you know, interior design, mm-hmm. you know, Maharam and and um, I don't know who makes her furniture, but it became almost like a workshop in her studio of sorts. Yeah, and they they, um, you know, so it, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I, I, they've gotten quite a bit of attention in the design press. I mean, I mean, years ago I saw like Liz O'Brien in New York was selling a set of them and, and not maybe last year there was an interview, um, in El Decor and with a guy who had, I think he just opened Casa Perfect and 
he was talking about sort of the significance of those four vases and, and how they were, you know, sort of design classics in the making. And I agree. I mean, it's always nice to hear other people sort of confirm like, you know, what you believe. Absolutely. You know, and but um, I think you're also becoming, I mean, or are one of those people that people will go to your, your site or your Instagram and say, Oh, well, this is something. Cause I think you're endorsing certain pieces too. What is um, the, uh, the collaboration with target that you love? Um, Marcel Wanders yes. did a Christmas deal in, again, I think it's 2005. Um, what was up with 2005? I don't know because I just <laughs> stuck in my head. It could have been 2009 yeah. or 2007 in, in the aughts. Um, and Marcel Wanders is a, a Dutch designer. He works with every sort of, you know, Christophe and Akarat and all the beautiful. Yeah, I crystal. mean, and, and big sort of manufacturers, but high end luxury manufacturers. And um, the things are not necessarily typically in reach. They're, you know, $10,000 right. or $5,000 or whatever. And so he did this collection for Target, and it's very much his sort of, um, it's like his idiom. One mm-hmm. of the things that he uses over and over again is in all different kinds of materials is this, it looks like turned wood. So like the turn, the leg of a table that's turned on a lathe. So cool. And and he actually does furniture that has those turned legs that are like overturned, like they're okay. hilarious, hilariously yeah. turned sort okay. of deal. But so he did a, a series of vases for the big vases. I mean, they must be like, like surrealist sculpture or something. Yeah, and he, and and I love those things. They look amazing with um, floral in them. I bet. And uh, did them in gold, silver, and white. I keep those. I just sold a silver pair, and um, we put a pretty dramatic floral um, and delivered it concoction together. Um, Chrisman Liverman at um, Keep and Co. Cool. Um, does my floral. Did an amazing job. Oh, I want to see a picture of that. Did you put it on your Instagram? No, I need to. Oh, you do. And and seriously, you guys listening need to follow Russell's Instagram. It's legit. And it's my name. It is your name. It right. is Russell at Russell Brightwell. Uh-huh. Two S's, two L's. Thank you. Make sure we get that. Yes. And it's bright as in the bright light. Right. And well as in the well. Yes. You do the water from. There you go. <laughs> not bird well. It's not, not bird well. Got that a lot. But the Instagram is fun. I love following it. I like you do you do all your own photography with the beautiful white backdrop and sometimes Chick makes the presents, of I, course. I do. I do. And Chick uh gets her picture taken mostly every Friday. I missed last Friday because I was on an installation and um, I got hell for that from a few people. Um, Chick is an unwilling participant. She's, you know, she's a lady. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's a lady. She she will sit there for about the 10 seconds required Mm -hmm. to get the picture. No photography. Right. No paparazzi. She's a special lady. Instagram is a, is, you know, I'm, you're a fan? I am. I'm I'm an old fart and um <laughs> You're cool, stop. But um I'm full on loving Instagram because uh-huh. I, I you know, we were talking about sort of publications and I don't know if you want to segue into that, but we we're talking about, you know, resources, publications. We, we're gonna segue, yeah. We have to talk about publications. And and um I think that I would have to say that Instagram is the sort of single most uh that's where i get content that's yeah that's that's where it all comes from and even if it's from a a traditional sort of traditional media you know i'm first first alerted by instagram Mm -hmm. you know yeah i'd like to look at your feed i bet the algorithm yeah i bet it's real good so I, um, you know what i mean by that like because i bet you have such like a good eye that they're who i'm who i'm looking uh at yeah uh yeah that's well, a lot of different stuff because it's not just um, like interior design. There's no. a lot of a lot of fashion in there. I've always been interested in fashion. I like where I love where fashion and design overlap, which like the Supreme Louis Vuitton collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got this really beautiful silk and wool shawl that is going to be um, framed, and it's Jeff Koons for Louis Vuitton. Oh. And it was uh, the Mona Lisa. You have that. And what I loved about it was that the Mona Lisa is bigger than the actual Mona Lisa because the shawl is really big. It's like five feet square. 
and then it has the LV jacquard all over the image and then a big um, Coons signature across the middle in gold embroidery and LV and JK in the corner. And it's just this great, I don't know. I, I love the piece. You know, I'm, uh, I love Jeff Coons work. It's really fun. I'm, you know, I have a friend who um, is a, is an academic in the art world in Houston. And, and we always laugh about it because my interests are, are so sort of juvenile <laughs> compared to hers because I, I like pretty poppy, mm-hmm. you know, uh, really, uh, succinctly executed sort of things. And, mm-hmm. and she hates them all. I, I actually forced her to see the Damien Hurst exhibit at the Venice Biennale a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, which she wasn't the least bit interested in so that she could see if they had a gift shop and, buy me a trinket which she did she got me a fridge magnet and yeah she was like here it is hands right, it to you exactly. like with two pinky like exactly. two fingers here's your yeah, trinket i think she actually said she was grateful that she went and saw it those are great friends to have though right. i mean and and for both of you to have each other right. you know and what's cool what coons though with like the mona lisa the story behind her smile i mean it's just so deep and enthralling and it's it's a lot really. Well, so, and I, I loved the, the that's whole, an interesting collaboration to me. Yeah. The whole collect, you know, it was the master's collection and okay. they were, they were based on the gazing bulk pictures that uh-huh. he did, which were duplicates, obviously not to scale, maybe to scale. I don't know. The actual paintings themselves, they were, they were copies of master paintings with um, a Victorian gazing ball set in front of each. And so this collection was based on that. It was very, it was very Vegas. Yeah, sounds like it. It was very jazzy uh-huh. and, and maybe not to everybody's taste, but I think this thing will make an amazing piece of artwork. Do you have a buyer? No. no you yet. will. Yeah. That one's going to be pretty cool. What's the other one you have framed in your... The one I have framed in my loft is the the Chapman Brothers. Uh When Kim Jones was the menswear designer at Louis Vuitton, they did two collaborations with the Chapman Brothers. This was from the first one, sort of Garden of Earthly Delights, sort of Hieronymus Bosch sort of print. The Chapman Brothers do this really sort of, um, oh, it's sort of grim. But in a funny, fantastical sort of way, this pattern of like... It is kind of grim. Owls with teeth. Yeah, it's dark. Things like that. But a big... So it was basically a blanket. It was the only one that that was sold in this country. And I had it... Oh, my gosh. Put in a big plexiglass block, box. It's, it's amazing. Is there anything you won't sell? Yeah, there are a couple of pieces. There's uh, grandmothers. Oh, yeah furniture there's um i have a couple of um a pre-columbian piece and a roman uh fetish art phallus that's just this amazing little penis yeah you can't sell that i'm not gonna sell no the penis is not for sale the penis is not for sale (laughs) for no for no amount of money Uh -uh. but everything else goes and it really (laughs) you know it is, it is hard. I just sold, um, the problem is, is that I'll, I'll, I'll buy something new knowing that it's going to be more valuable. Absolutely. And I'll bank it. Yeah. And then, you know, and then I sell it and it's no longer available uh-huh. uh, and certainly no longer available at the price that I paid for it. And I'm yeah. always just like, damn. <clears throat> Wait a little longer. Right? I bet that is one of the hardest things about your career. You know, but like I said, you know got to keep the dog in kibble you do and that's, that's how to. i make money that's right but what's really fun about it is um you know now i i get to ha- to buy so much more stuff mm-hmm. i mean when you're when you're just buying it to collect it there's just a sort of a limit that's a good point but now you get I, to have the thrill right i replenish and i get to find different i go down different sort of rabbit holes of design sure you know it's like i was talking about the 1970s Italian plastic and mm-hmm. sort of that took me into sort of the Enzo Mari and um would that be like a kind of a Memphis thing no this is more 70s oh not 80s okay so okay that, pre-Memphis yeah yeah, yeah. Pre-dated. um but you know they're all sort of mushed together you know over time um but I love Memphis me too it is not 
it's it's interesting too to that I I sell sort of in the Memphis area on a, on a budget. You know, real Memphis pieces were were incredibly limited mm-hmm. in production. Um, and uh, I feel like the millennials are trying to bring it back with like their Instagram backdrops. The more- oh, for sure, <laughs> for sure. I um, they're replicating the look a little, but. Like Sotos did some amazing resin pieces for a Japanese company called Marutomi. Mm-hmm. And um, Marutomi was, uh, they wanted to show how they could duplicate um, Japanese, traditional Japanese lacquerware. So they hired a bunch of Italian designers and architects to develop products. Mm-hmm. And so there's a series of vases that Sotos did that are, that are post Memphis. These were in the nineties. Okay. Um, but they're beautiful and, um, they're not cheap, but they're incredibly affordable compared to sort of ceramic pieces and, and they're really collectible. Um, I really love them. It does kind of seem like though, I, I meant that in the most loving way, cause it does sort of feel like, um, the, the, up and coming generations, if you will. I love that. They do seem to have an interest in valuable pieces and, and, and in design in a meaningful way. And like, there's not this need to have a bunch of stuff and for it to be mass produced and lots of it. They seem to really have an interest in special things, special pieces. Well, I certainly appreciate those, those people, mm-hmm. you know, I think one of the things that, you know, I've, I've found or what I see is that, you know, clients will spend the same amount of money on that. I sell an object for, for something that has sort of no, story behind it it's yeah. a, maybe a beautiful object yeah. you know but you know it is an interesting point isn't it i mean you can go and buy a you know two thousand dollar tray at um i will not mention a showroom name that has no sort of pedigree or sort of design significance or anything like that and and or you could you know two thousand dollars goes a long way pedigree though we were yeah. going to talk about that mm-hmm. just um you know, in the sense that, uh, you know, uh, objects, they need a story behind them yeah. to me, you know, and value and the value comes from, you know, who designed it, yeah. when it was made, who the maker was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they don't, you know, like the, again, like the Ikea and the, the target thing, they can transcend maker, but obviously if you start out with a more expensive piece, it sort of appreciates yeah. more. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I mean, essentially anyone can be a collector. You got to yeah. start somewhere. The Hue is brought to you by Folio. Located in the iconic Meadows building in Dallas, Texas, Folio is a boutique rep agency which seeks to connect interior designers with creative resources. We would love to connect with you in real life. Please visit our website to set up an appointment, folioco.com, and follow us on Instagram at folioco. Yeah, I would, you know, I, I, I lived in the UK in the mid nineties and met a couple of guys who I'm still friends with. We talk every Sunday for 25 years and they, Mm, that's cool. Right. They, they basically dragged me around the UK on some weeks in the summer and I'm going to, uh, national trust properties and, and that's pretty um, cool, but shopping like, junk stores and antique stores and things like that. And so I started with, with them, um, started collecting Royal Copenhagen pieces from like late sixties, early seventies. And, and, um, uh, and then there's a English potter called Hornsey. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen you have shown me one of those Hornsey they, pieces. They, these sort of neoclassical pieces. They're not super old and they, it was not a, a real high-end producer, but they made these amazing sort of, you know, classical sort of via madman sort of looking range of vases that were meant to be purchased as like wedding gifts and, um, uh, and like bisque and different glazes mm-hmm. and things. And, um, yeah, I mean, I still keep a lot of both of those on hand. And, um, the other one from England was the wood piece Right. Oh, Lindley. Lindley. That was wasn't he like for a, a moment in time, or is royalty something? Oh, he is. He's by he was he's Lord Lord Snowden now oh, since Lord his Snowden. father died. Okay. So he was Viscount Lindley at the time, and so what is he, Margaret's son? I don't know. 
I guess. Oh, well, yeah. I guess so. Snowden. I don't know. I think you had told me Margaret. Yeah. Um, I get a little confused between Anne and Margaret, which all the... Um, That's a very different... Anglophiles will be... I was going to say. ...horrified by, but... Um, <laughs> The uh, I need to get back to the crown and get that all it's straight, coming. straightened it's out. It's coming soon. Yeah. Um, he started, I think he actually started it maybe in the 80s, but it was it was pretty full on in the 90s when I lived there. It's so beautiful. And he he started by doing like humidors and, mm-hmm. and cabinets that looked like, you know, English country houses. And yeah. they're they many, many, many thousands of pounds. And... Um, then he, you know, as the business grew, he started doing these beautiful objects. And the one you're talking about is is based on a Regency fruit bowl. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had it a couple of times in Sycamore with this, um, uh, like with a walnut inlay. And uh-huh. it's and it, it is a really classical form. It's like a honey color. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, the sycamore. Really beautiful. Out of production. And almost like borderline glossy. Like it just looked so mm-hmm. smooth and pretty. They're gorgeous. They're beautifully made. They weigh a ton, and um, so that gives it pedigree for sure, right? And they, the Lindley's still around. I, I, I'm not sure how well thought of or not they are now. I mean, they've certainly expanded, and yeah. and I don't think he has anything to do with the business anymore. Could be watered down now a little bit. But I like the Sycamore ones are older. Yeah, and they aren't made anymore. They make one in walnut. That's beautiful, but um, I don't really look for that one as much as the ones that are sort of you know, from 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. That sounds beautiful. I love that you have these friendships that, you know, I love that you have friends that you talk to every Sunday. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's super cool. Having those long lasting friendships, people that connect you to what you love and your passion and what you do. Yeah. It's crucial. Yeah. No. And you know, you need to talk every, you know, talking every Sunday means that, you know, you really know what's going on in their lives. You we're really not, do. We're not really catching up too far. No, you're not. And especially since, um, COVID. Yeah, I was going to say. It's... I've just spent so much more time on the phone uh-huh. and FaceTime and, yeah. and Zoom. Zoom. And so um, we're all bored to tears. Yeah. So I, I talk to people that maybe them I talk to two or three times a week. What about Zoom, your business? I'm sorry, your business during COVID. How's that? Has it? You know, I mean, it certainly took a hit. At the beginning, of course. when there was the sort of, you know, end of days sort of thing going on, yeah. you know, where people were- <laughs> The toilet paper you know, stockpiling and all right, the nonsense. Where, where, where yeah, I, like crazy. Know, buying canned chili by the case in case, you know, <laughs> it couldn't get out of the house sort of deal. The zombie apocalypse right. was coming. And, um, but um, people sort of not too long after that started buying on the internet uh-huh. um, out of boredom. And- um, Yay. Yeah. We love poor shoppers on the internet. Right. And I've done pretty well on the internet. I mean, they don't get the sort of, I think part of the value of what I bring is sort of the, the, and I hate the word, I know it's really overused, but the curation of it all, the Mm -hmm. sort of the combination of it. And the experience. And the availability of it is part of why it costs what it costs, you know? And so- you know, seeing it or, it or or having access to sort of all of it so that you can set this, you know, um, this uh, resin sotsas piece next to um, a, uh, a Richard Meyer silver plate bowl, you know, that kind of thing um, is, is sort of part of the deal. Um, but nonetheless, you know, the internet is how you reach a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so I sell on my own website, of course, and then I sell through Sotheby's Home. I figured. And then InCollect, okay. which is a, a great site. InCollect. It's sort of a great people on there. It's cool. a, a, a really um, sort of, what is it? How would you say it? It's sort of, I, I don't know, it feels like they're a little choosier in terms of their dealers and things you're invited to. That's cool. To, but, you know, which may be all just marketing and it's just, you know, hoo-ha, but. Um, but maybe not. 
Yeah, that's that super works. cool. I lo- and then we were talking also about, I wanted to ask you, because you recommended that I look at high snobbity. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to mention that because people listening, I think would really love it. I had not heard of it and it is really cool. And I noticed that we talked about um, the um, the pumpkin. I just went blank. Your, Kusama. Kusama. My gosh. Just said that. The Kusama. Um, she's doing a collaboration with Vov Clucot. And I saw this on High Snobbity. And there's you're, going to You're more up to date than I am. Well, but I was going to ask you. So, okay. So it's with the Grand Dame champagne mm. from like 1980 something. I don't know. 84, I think. And so the, the box is so her. And, the, and we, I thought about it. I was like, Kusama is the perfect combination with that orange, mm-hmm. that orange color that they have. Right. The box is so pretty. And I'm a big Vogue fan. Yeah. And then she's going, the, so the sculpture design on the front, she's going to make a limited edition of these sculptures that will sell through Vuv and her. Well, and she, she's definitely, you know. You've had some of her. Yeah, I, the little resin pumpkins I always keep on the go because they're just so <laughs> cool. charming. And, yes. Um, um, it's interesting, though, though that they're, they're some form, and I, I wish I knew more about them, that they are, but they are, the pumpkin has some sort of role in, in sort of, it means something, but it also, she said that, that they're, um, a form of self portraiture. Yeah. And, um, and like, it's part of her. Yeah. She talks about that in her vision and mm. I've read, it's very interesting how she talks about her art, but she's definitely, I mean, you can kind of draw a line from Keith Haring to her. I mean, Uh she, she's, and of course she's been the, merchandise the hell out of her over the last few years with right? those infinity rooms that travel from museum to mm-hmm. museum they really generate sort of a lot of attendance and income and you know that's either de classe or it's terrific depending on who you talk to but yeah. um you know it's another thing you can you can buy a you know pumpkin the size of a of a you know large dog for you know a half a million dollars or you can buy one that you can hold in your hand for me for 500 bucks. That's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's super. Well, the collaboration, the story is really cool. I mean, I think it's going to do really well. And I'm just curious if you're going to try to acquire one of those sculptures. I don't know. You're like, again, you're ahead of the curve. Well, it's because you, you told me to read it. So I did. I I checked it out. I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) It looks really cool. So I don't know if you're, you're such a gentleman. I don't know if you'll answer this question, but I thought of a fun question. Is there an artist today that's, that's really popular that you're just like, I don't, I don't get that. I'm not, I'm not feeling that. That's becoming collectible. I, I won't. A, I won't. I don't. I don't know about individual names. Maybe I'll think of somebody, or like a genre or a style, or that you're just kind of like, I'm not feeling that. I I just don't like like dirty, beat up things. Okay. okay. And I, I'm not a big. I'm. It's because I'm old. It's like you know. I I'm just not <laughs> that down with it. Okay, I'm feeling that. You know. Yeah, you're always pristine. Yeah, I like things that are sort of sort of beautifully made. Yeah, you don't want the. You're not looking for the beat up look, the worn in look. No. Okay. And so I'm. You know, I'm I'm not a painter's painter kind of guy. Uh-huh. Um, I, I tend to like pretty slick stuff. I mean, I'm a graphic designer originally. Yeah, you want and, it to be slick and pretty. Yeah. Well, that's a good. I love that. I, I, you know, depending on who you talk to, it's 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 good or bad, but it doesn't really matter. It's just kind of the way I roll. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, the art that I collect personally and to sell tends to be really graphic and very poppy and has some kind of a story behind it. Yeah. I've got a set of Richard Bernstein gemstones. Richard Bernstein was the illustrator that did all the interview magazine covers okay. for years and years. And some people think that war thought that Warhol did those, but Bernstein did Bernstein all of them. Bernstein did them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, he's very much an artist of that time. And, um, so he, he did a lot of portraits, but he also did some series of paintings of, of um, one of these is a diamond and one's a ruby. So this is an edition mm-hmm. uh, print and they're just fantastic. And yeah. I just love the connection to sort of um, interview, which, you know, back in the day was a big part of, you know, my media world. Mm-hmm. Um, and gemstones are just remarkably difficult in my humble opinion to, paint or photograph with all of their brilliance, if you will. Yeah. Lack of better words. Or These are really graphic poppy versions yeah. of it. To get to capture the light and the refraction and mm-hmm. all of that. That's just, I want to check that out. 
Yeah. I'm writing that down. Okay. It's on so, my Instagram. Oh, I'm surprised I haven't seen it. Okay. So we'll, um, we'd like to close with some, I don't know if there's anything we were going to talk about that we missed. You can tell me, but, um, we like to close with some rapid fire questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Russell's really excited about this. Most design publication you respect the most current, current. You're like, can't live without it. Honestly, I, I have to tell you, it's it's going to be um, different accounts on Instagram. Oh. There's one called Dutch Design, who's a guy in okay. the Netherlands Dutch who had a design shop um, for years in the town whose name I will not try to pronounce. <laughs> and he, I love that about the Netherlands. Um, we have an ongoing communication. Um, he actually has styled um, a, a gallery show of all his kinds of, he does the same sort of thing that I do. Okay. He used to sell them new yeah. and he has a huge collection of pieces that are, are, you know, mixes of Memphis and Marcel Wanders and this and that. And he, he styled a whole exhibit of cool. basically those kinds of objects. And um, you guys have created a friend, forged a friendship through Instagram. Yeah. Exactly. That's cool. Are you going to go see each other? No, I mean, not anytime soon with our, our current Corona travel. But like he sent me, he was really sweet. He sent me a catalog for the mm-hmm. show, un, you know, un, you know, just unprompted. But that was really sweet of him. And um, it's funny, I just became a, a Facebook. There's a Facebook group for Swid Powell collectors, which I just joined, which is really kind of funny and I feel it's like design nerd stuff. Oh, and, I love it. And um there are a couple of uh dealers that um I follow that um uh they are those kinds of dealers where I'm like okay, so I'm in the right direction or here's a new direction to look into. That's cool. Um yeah. 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 Otherwise it's you know, it's the the regular sort of top four we were talking about this. I mean, I I there are a couple of magazines. I love the Wall Street Journal magazine, um, Weekend Magazine. I don't know. It's just, it's... it's oh, you had, it's, yeah, I love that as mm-hmm. well. It's, yeah. it's sort of, and then the other one was um, uh, Departures, when they do like their home and design so cool. and fashion issues. They're yes. just, I don't know what there is. I mean, I love, obviously, the New York Times, the T Magazine yeah. is great. It tends to be a little bit more scholarly. It and does. I'm not super scholarly, so. Russell's have, like, give me some, I need to see some pretty. I need some pictures. I need some and pretty. A, and a blurb. I know a little bit about a lot of stuff. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. So, okay. We talked about museums in the beginning. I'm curious. Do you have, um, it's just forever, a, a millennial, I mean, a perennial favorite museum you're like i just if i they told me it was closing i would be devastated museum it's like your favorite to do go to i think even in its current incarnation it would be the whitney yeah i mean contemporary american art is really sort of what i kind of cut my teeth on yeah um yeah that's that's the answer and then best coffee table book favorite do you have a favorite i know you have so many do you have a favorite coffee table book you do have so many i love um valentino and again forgive me if i slaughter these um pronunciations but mirabella roma okay Uh, of course it's obscure (laughs) It wasn't super obscure. It was, it was, um, Asseline. Oh, was there Asseline? Okay. And, um, from a few years ago and, um, it's just a gorgeous, it's basically like a scrapbook of Rome. Okay. And, um, beautifully bound and the images are great. And it was the, it was put together by the two that were the designer of Valentino at the time, whose names just again, I'm not going to embarrass myself. You know, the one, the woman moved to Dior and he stayed behind at Valentino. And um uh it's gorgeous and it's another one of those things that I think it was two fifty to start with and it sells now for like two thousand. Oh my goodness, that's amazing. Same thing. There was another one, there was a um 
Bergdorf Goodman Windows. Oh, cool. Which was a really great book. Oh, that's a great, it's a brilliant concept. Yeah, they're really incredible, you know, the subject matter and, you know, bury my ashes at Bergdorf Goodman. I loved that um, documentary. It was fun. Mine, mine's bury, bury my ashes at North Park Center. I know that's it is. It's your thing. You love it. North Park Center has has incredible, incredible art. Incredible art. Um, and those amazing plantings, whoever does those. Aren't those gorgeous? They're not plantings, they're installations. They are installations. They're beautiful. Mm, and shopping stores. Yeah. They should do, you should have like a, you should have a um, a little show there. I would love to. That's, that's what we're going to leave this with. Well, we're going to figure out a way, Russell Brightwell installation at North Park. It's a, happening. A pop-up shop a little, in North Park. I think it's that, I don't know though. I kind of want to see you in the, in the center section. Yes. A gallery. Uh, yeah, I want to see a little gallery in the center, maybe little modules of sorts. I don't know what I'm thinking. Vit- vitrines filled with little vitrines. Goodies. Vitrines filled with goodies. I like this idea. Uh-huh. This is happening. I bet you could make it happen. <laughs> if anybody could. I would, well, you know. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's really good to see you. Good to see you. It's fun. Good to see your place in person. Thanks for listening, y'all. Let's keep the conversation going. If you have a story you would like for us to illuminate, please email hello at folioco.com. That's hello at P-H-O-L-I-O-C-O.com. And be sure to subscribe to hear future episodes.